Millennial Pagan Podcast, the podcast that's discussing issues and hot topics affecting the pagan world from a millennial perspective. We're your host, Autumn Wolf. And Jarrah Stone. Hello. Hello. We're the same host. Yeah, we're the, we're, the, we're the same host. Yeah, there's no hosts. That's just us. Yes. And we're not us. We are we. Is it like the royal we? Yes. <laughs> so how are you today, Jarrah? Uh, I am, I'm actually in, in high spirits. It was pretty good, pretty good week so far. Oh, lucky. So yeah, we're actually recording this towards the end of the week. So it's going to be a little bit of a, a Friday sillies. Friday sillies? Yeah. I still got one more day of work. Aw. Yep. I got a, I got a day tomorrow and I got, I got a lot of work to do tomorrow. It's going to be a busy day actually. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Not excited. You, you can make it through. I know you. Yeah. Hmm. So, Jared, do you know what we're going to talk about today? Um, no, I didn't get the memo. Ah, it was in your calendar. Oh, that's right. That's a thing, huh? Yeah. No, I know. Like the shapers we're talking about in our last episode, Google Calendar is amazing. Yes, yes. Uh, we're talking about cultural appropriation. <laughs> yes, we are. Look, see, you did read your calendar. Yay! And I saw, I saw it while I was, uh, while I was at work, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, that's tonight. Yeah. So I don't know. I think we've like touched on cultural appropriation before, but not to this extent. Mm-hmm. I know not to this extent because I got like a page and a half worth of notes that I need to remember. You and your research. Stuff. You know, it's helpful to be knowledgeable when you're talking about stuff to like the general public. True, true. Yeah. I don't want to like just sail by the winds of the, the, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's my job. Yeah. <laughs> and such a nice job it is. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, like I said, we're going to be talking about cultural appropriation. There's a couple of things that I want to just get out of the way as far as like dictionary definitions Definitions, yep so cultural appropriation and this will actually help you guys understand why we're talking about it a little bit but cultural appropriation is also uh, called cultural misappropriation and what it is is it's an adoption of the elements of one culture by members of another this can be controversial when members of the dominant culture appropriate from disadvantaged minority cultures. And that's something I really want to underline. It is the appropriation or taking on of cultural aspects by the dominant culture. Oh, so like uh, like when Americans go out drinking and celebrating Cinco de Mayo. Exactly. W- without actually doing the research and knowing why Cinco de Mayo is a thing. Yes. Or like when Katy Perry dresses like a geisha in the world enemies or whatever oh yeah yeah, whatever she does that and stuff Mm -hmm. but those are classic cases of cultural appropriation Um, cultural appropriation is not the same as cultural exchange or assimilation and that's one of the major reasons why cultural exchange is when a sharing of different ideas traditions and knowledge with someone who may be coming from a different background and there's a lack of this power dynamic that's going on with cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. in cultural appropriation there is a group that is has more power than the other and okay. that's when they're they're taking they're stealing there's a harm done to the minority culture or the disadvantaged culture and that's the major thing assimilation is a process of fully understanding info or ideas becoming similar to something or marginalizing adapt 
or the marginalized adapt to the dominant. Mm -hmm. So that's another major thing. The cultural appropriation can really only occur when the dominant culture is taking from the minority, not the minority taking from the dominant culture. That's when it's called assimilation. Sometimes that's just a life protective skill. Mm -hmm. Or a um, way to survive, really. Yeah, it's a it's an adaptive uh, adaptive skill. Exactly, and then there is a major difference between appropriation and cultural appreciation, and something I really want to um, uh, cover and make sure that is very clear hmm. on how that is going to work out for us. So, did those make sense? Oh yeah, totally. At least for me. Yay! <laughs> I like that. It those makes sense. Well, I mean, and, and it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, I think a lot of times when talking about cultural misappropriation or, or talking about, you know, the assimilation, there's a fine line that a lot of people kind of, you know, they, they try to try to stay on, but they misunderstand what it actually is. Yes. And there's a major thing that um, I kind of gleamed over already with assimilation, but marginalized groups don't really have the power to decide if they prefer to stick with their customs or try the dominant culture for fun. Mm -hmm. That's another part of the cultural appropriation is that the, the dominant culture is doing this for fun or for their own amusement. Like when, say, a girl goes to Coachella and wears bindis or hair wraps or other in native dress mm -hmm. and something like that, that would be considered appropriation. Okay. Um, why is this a problem? Because in paganism, when we're a or neo-paganism, when we're a religion built on the history and backs of previous religions, it's really easy to accidentally or even intentionally culturally appropriate. Mm -hmm. And I know for from my own research, when you look at Gardner's work, Gardner, Gerald Gardner, the original person to utilize the word Wicca, person who's whole entire ideas built exactly what we're talking about lived and worked a lot in the in indies india while british was controlling it and different um places in the asian world so a lot of those ideas were fresh to him were understanding and we can see that he did assimilate a lot of those or culturally appropriate those into what is wicca or what was his wicca so that it's very hard when it is ingrained in our originality mm -hmm. to kind of piece it apart. Okay. Well, and I, I think it's kind of, um, I guess, apropos that we're actually happening upon the, the Halloween season, mm -hmm. um, where, at least in, in, in my view, there's a lot of cultural appropriation when it comes to, you know, the costumings that's out there, the all that, um, you know, like Halloween stores that, or Halloween companies, I should mm -hmm. say, that make traditional garb, but really only sell it to the non-traditionals. Exactly. And it, that is a pure making fun of, mm -hmm. or you're saying, oh, I'm laughing with. You're not. Yeah. And um, another quote that I f liked that I found, and I will talk about a couple of the different articles at the end that I utilized a lot of my research from, but it was... Um, one person said it's taking without associating where it came from. So, mm. and the, a lot of um, the good articles really did reference, well, would you do this with other arts? 
could you do that with other art and not be liable legally speaking so okay. so when you're you're taking the native headdresses that medicine men would wear people would wear during powwows not go not associating not understanding what each feather means because they all have a meaning then you're culturally appropriating yeah and that happens a lot and again that's when the dominant culture is doing that so yeah if you're white wearing native headdress for fun you're Mm -hmm. culturally appropriating yeah Another good definition for cultural appropriation is removing culture's significance and spirituality from a practice or tradition that can rip apart critical connections to help people survive. And that happened a lot with yoga specifically. So under British rule of India, yoga was out and was completely illegal and ostracized. And now, of course, we know that there's yoga studios almost everywhere in America. Mm-hmm. So that is to an extent, yeah, culturally appropriating because you're not giving back those financial gains to the people who kept this practice going. And the people who are really benefiting look like me. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm saying that financially, of course, anybody can benefit from the practice of yoga as long as you're being respectful and mindful of the fact that, hey, these things happen. I was actually unaware of the fact that it was illegal for a long time during British rule in India. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was, that's really powerful and very depressing that that kind of oppression occurred. Yeah. But then again, the oppression that continues to occur in our own countries. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a whole nother show. So other times where um, in neo-paganism, there is a lot of cultural appropriation um, includes things like shamanism, mm-hmm. um, includes things like chakras and with sage is a huge one. Uh, Paleocento, which is actually on the verge of extinction. Please mm-hmm. stop burning that. Thank you. Um White sage is another problem. Um, I got to read a very good article from a Native woman talking about um, the use of sweat lodges in neo-paganism and in New Age religions. And talking about how, well, if you haven't gotten that education, if you aren't Native and that wasn't given to you by a Native practitioner then you don't have right to financially gain from this. You are essentially stealing this ritual and utilizing it as a self-help ritual. And a lot of times people will utilize, well, it was going on in different parts of the world at the same time. Some of these things haven't, and that excuse doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, in Europe, around the same time that natives were doing ritual in circles, so were Europeans. It's just a convenient shape. We weren't burning sage in Europe, though, to cleanse spaces. So maybe learning more about it. Um, One of the good things that I read was a checklist of ask yourself these questions. And if your answers are yes then you're probably culturally appropriating and one of them was does if a practitioner of this religion 
or a living person who is of that culture was watching me, would they have a problem with it? Would they be uncomfortable or would they feel that I am ignorant of what I am doing? Then you are culturally appropriating. And if you don't know the answer to that, then it boils down to how much research have you done on how you're supposed to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if that is zero, you're culturally appropriating more than likely because you don't know if you're not or if you are. So essentially, not learning from a source, not actually you know doing doing your time, doing your devotion to actually learning why you're doing a specific thing, a ritual, or why you know, especially if you're trying to emulate mm-hmm. a, a different culture or, yes. or something that that you you've seen on TV or you read about in, in a book, but you haven't really put in the time to actually learn from somebody who actually practices it and gives you the reasoning behind things, the reason behind their culture, the, the cultural reasons for doing something. And you don't take that time to actually take it in. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that, that, that could, that could definitely be seen as big misappropriation 100 percent. i actually yeah. love that word that you used that totally flew out of my brain now <laughs> shoot friday night y'all <laughs> but um the other point i was em- gonna emulate? make yes emulate i yes. love that emulation um another, one of the things that you said was you saw it on tv something that irks my brain is watching people try to give cpr on tv because Nine times out of ten, it's an inaccurate portrayal of CPR. You're going to do more harm than good or you're Mm going to do absolutely fucking nothing. So, I mean, if something so life-changing and life-important of a skill that maybe everybody should have a basic knowledge of how to do properly is terribly emulated on TV, then, I mean, what's to say a white director knows what the hell they're doing when they're talking about, say, a native or a another culture's belief system i mean yes we all really enjoyed the way the princess frog in the disney princess frog showed voodoo in a different light but is that accurate is that Mm -hmm. an accurate portrayal of these gods and demigods in these this culture I mean, it's Disney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's look at Pocahontas. One of the things when you were talking about Halloween that one of my articles talked about is if you know the history of the actual person, Pocahontas, you would cringe wanting your daughter in that costume. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Let's put a my daughter dress up as a rape victim who was dehumanized throughout history. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. But uh, well, here, which which kind of brings the question. Mm-hmm. Now, being that you know, Pocahontas, the the, the Disney portrayal of it mm-hmm. is something different. Dressing as their characterization of it, I would say no, because you're continuing to perpetrate that this character was in any shape or form old enough to make decisions about love. Um, the actual Pocahontas when she was married off after being kidnapped was probably 14. Mm -hmm. Um, 12. Talok says 12. And Talok probably knows this story a little bit better. I have different history in my (laughs) repertoire. Uh, Yeah, actually 12 12 sounds right from my research too. So that's a child. Yep. 
That's a child who was kidnapped by the dominant culture to be forced into simulation, which was a normal practice. Even the Vikings who went and visited, they would exchange their children. So at least they had some people who knew how to talk both both languages. Mm-hmm. That's kind of terrifying. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. That's just my personal take. I mean, there's probably going to be somebody screaming at me like, I learned about Pocahontas because of my enjoyment of the Disney show. And obviously, I have too. Uh, mm-hmm. I grew up with that Disney movie. So, eh, learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> take the time to learn stuff. Um, one of my favorite things that I learned about cultural appropriation is that there's internet slang for it called Columbusing. Columbusing? Columbusing. Okay, I, that's going to be like one of my new favorite words. Right? Don't go Columbusing it. <laughs> I love it. I got. I, 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 so I have. I actually have a friend of mine that I work with who, mm. uh, who was a hi- history teacher at, mm. at at a time, and, um, yeah, the one of the biggest things that they that they always taught that they that they love teaching was about the first days of the United States and pretty much Columbus coming over. Okay. And I think that's actually going to be something that uh, I bring up to him tomorrow. <laughs> Columbusing. Columbusing. Don't pick fights. No, no. <laughs> no, because he, uh, he, yeah. he, he is on our side when it comes to it. Okay, good, good. And he, it pretty much it's his, the way that he teaches it, he teaches to dispel the fantasy that the history quote-unquote winners wrote yes and that's exactly mm-hmm. it is that the winners or the dominant culture writes history yeah and that means that a lot of people's voices of the marginalized culture are silenced mm-hmm. um and that's terrifying that's it how cultural appropriation becomes a thing that happens constantly i mean Let's look at California just passed a law where you can't fire or dictate in your company's dress code policy that native or not native natural hair is and natural hairstyles can't be allowed. Mm -hmm. And then you look at white people who wear those styles and it's like, what are you doing now? In all defense, yes, Viking culture and that culture did use locks and they used the salt water to create them but at the same time we don't have to do that anymore that was out of convenience that was out of maintaining and getting rid of lice mm-hmm. it was out of keeping um your hair long because of power within the hair and we don't necessarily have to do that anymore right. yeah you can but you also have to respect the fact that there's a whole nother section of culture who is still constantly being oppressed Mm -hmm. and being marginalized for wearing their hair this way it's okay for a white girl to wear locks but it's not for a african-american woman to wear locks in the business place right except for california now thank you california Mm -hmm. i mean i I will say this Mm -hmm. for for those that that know me that see me they know i have long hair Mm -hmm. and would i ever do dreadlocks locks anything like that no because Number one, personally for me, I don't like, I, I don't, don't see myself with that style. Mm-hmm. I will braid my hair. I will put several different types of braids in my hair. They're at, they're at the request of one of my friends who happened to be African American. She wanted to actually uh, do cornrows in my hair. Mm-hmm. And I let her because she knew how to do it. She actually was talking about 
how her grandmother used to talk about it, how her grandmother actually used to do it while she was dry, uh, while she was um, cornrowing mm-hmm. her hair. So I learned about it, mm-hmm. and it's a painstaking process. Yes, <laughs> but it wasn't something that I I went out and I said I'm going to do this. Right. It was at you know it was at a at a request. Right. For one of my friends who wanted to number one just play with my hair yeah but number two actually you know teach a little bit about it right and you you took the time to be respectful enough to learn it and yeah. to listen and be respectful and then you removed it when mm-hmm. it was no longer respectful or when it yeah. had served its purpose i've had a friend attempt to do my hair um my hair barely stays in a ponytail. It slips. Uh, so that, that didn't work. And the whole time she's like, oh, my gosh, you have such white girl hair. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you. I don't know. Well, but, no, and, and that, that is a thing. Yeah, but that that's a thing. Like, it, it's becoming assumed that then african-american women have to assimilate to white hair mm-hmm. when that's actually not healthy for their hair texture or hair type right. i'm sitting here with the straightest hair in the room with two gentlemen of color with curly hair so mm-hmm. i mean i wouldn't ask you to straighten your hair every day no not every day no it's not good i don't straighten my hair every day anymore mm-hmm. i mean or relaxants putting chemicals on your brain mm. no I mean, if that's your thing, if that's how you like to do it, please don't say it and think I'm being rude or saying don't do it. I'm just saying not, that not you us. should have the option to also wear your hair in healthy ways and still be considered res- and respected in the workplace mm-hmm. um, or well, any place. Yeah. One, one thing I do love about working where, where I work mm-hmm. um, is seeing the the different type of cultures that, are, mm-hmm. that come through. And I... Honestly, even thinking back, I've worked there since uh, since December of last year, and even thinking back, I've not seen any cultural cultural appropriation because everybody who comes in, they there are of different cultures, they are mm-hmm. of different descents, and they actually have a respect for that. And there's more of a cultural exchange going exchange, on yes. where there's a respect for each individual and each individual culture. I'd actually use that definition for your experience with your hair as well, mm-hmm. is that that was a cultural exchange. exchange yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that is going on in the pagan community is mm-hmm. cultural appropriation is used as a shield for um the not good side of heathenism and Asatru. They're saying, well, you're culturally appropriating our religion, our gods, our traditions by doing these things when you are not of Norse or Germanic blood or Anglo-Saxon blood. Um, racists can't use cultural appropriation uh, and that's just not how that works. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you're still white. You're still part of the dominant culture. Yes, you were oppressed by Christianity or your ancestors way the fuck far along back were oppressed by Christianity, just like almost everybody fuck else. But you're still white and nobody's going to turn around and say you can't practice your cultural religion now today in america mm-hmm. and in a lot of norse countries there's a huge respect for going back to that now too even in nations that are actually christian yeah um certain norse countries you can't name your child what you want you have to go by a list i 
didn't so, even know that. So the fact that they are respected and allowed mm-hmm. to do the old ways, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So. And another thing that um, is now happening is that witches are fighting back and saying that people are culturally oppressing or culturally appropriating witchcraft. So I, I, I do, I, I do kind of have a little bit of a stepping stepping stool on that one. Okay. Um, so there, there was there was this thing, and I think we we actually had talked about it on mm-hmm. the show before about uh, Sephora yeah. when they came out with that little. Uh, witch palette and witch, witchy thing. I'm, the witch starter the, the kit. The witch yeah. starter kit. I saw so many articles on that. Put in cultural appropriation and witchcraft and boom, you'll yeah. see it again if you can't remember. Yeah, the, this in and of itself, like the first time I saw it, I, I stood there, I'd say for a good two minutes, just gaping in awe of it mm-hmm. and saying, okay, this isn't the first time I've seen this. But the way that it was presented mm-hmm. made me actually say, what the fuck? Yeah. No, I was pissed off the first time I saw it, too. And then mm-hmm. after Sephora already pulled it off its shelves, the company came out and was like, um, hey, by the way, we were kind of doing this right. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of fuck y'all. <laughs> it was a little sad because they did properly source their white sage, yep. which that's not even really culturally appropriating witchcraft that's appropriating that's appropriating native mm-hmm. respects um the tarot deck which was labeled tarot in the box was actually oracle cards and they were properly paying the artist a good sum for the use of them yeah. and the rose quartz which was in it was properly was not properly, but um, respectfully mined or mm-hmm. fair trade mined. But it was a perfume company doing this to give out or to have this kit also have the minis of all of their perfumes. Mm-hmm. And this is like, girlfriend. Yeah. Or another one that I learned about was uh, Jay Saxon and Jess Zimmerman, the authors of Basic Witchcraft. Um, both are non-religious and neither of them are technically witches or call themselves witches. And yet they wrote this book about pretty much just new wave or third wave feminism, whatever we're on. That's sad. Mm-hmm. I consider myself feminist and I don't know where we're at in this. Woo, <laughs> waves. Yeah, it's more like a roller coaster. A little, yeah. But anyway, um, they it, they packaged it as basic witchcraft, but it is essentially new witchy feminism. And a lot of articles that were talking specifically about how witchcraft is being appropriated um, was talking about like, well, now it's just a self-care kind of thing going on on the internet and blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, taking care of yourself, doing shit and working with your shadows is the strongest witchcraft that anybody could ever do. Fuck me not. Yes. If you can't deal with your own shadows, you can't do a spell to save your life. Sorry. Mm-hmm. At the very least, open the door to the darkness, please. Yeah. Just, just an inch. Just an inch. Deal with the shit that you got going on in the back of your brain. With the light, there is dark. With the dark, there is light. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little sensitive because I'm going through a healing phase where I'm angry at certain <laughs> things that happen. Um, I'm reading a book that isn't... It's talking about like, oh, talk about your wild childhood and talk about your wild family and i'm like those both are kind of not good bring up not good memories and you're not telling me how to deal with those so i'm having to figure it out on my own so there's a lot of yelling at my 
family in the mirror when they're not <laughs> in my bathroom with me or a lot of me going kind of like what i've done in the shower before yeah and so i'm in the um in the angry stage of healing i guess for some little things yeah work with it sister you got it right i think so i think i'll get over it oh yeah anyway um after me spilling my beans about being angry i think we're gonna take a short break while i scream at the mirror um just be careful there's a child in here somewhere Millennial Pagan Podcast is exclusively supported by Patreon. Listeners like you can gain great benefits from your favorite show, such as... At $1 a month, you get a personalized shout-out at the end of the next full-length episode. At $5 a month, you receive a thank-you card in the mail with Millennial Pagan Podcast button and sticker enclosed. Additionally, $5 a month supporters have access to our monthly 30-minute minisodes. Patreon supporters are also the first to learn about new and exciting updates to Millennial Pagan Podcast. More benefits and exclusive content to come. The 18th annual Phoenix Pagan Pride Day is November 2nd at Steel Indian School Park. This free-to-the-public event will have workshops, live entertainment, vendors, local artists, and much more. Featured guests include Wendy Rule, Courtney Weber, Kellyanne Garrard, and Jenna Green. Millennial Pagan Podcasts will have a booth, and many previous guests will be in attendance. Autumn Wolf will be hosting a workshop on expanding the Triple Goddess. You can learn more on their website at paganpridephx.com or on their Facebook page at Phoenix Pagan Pride Day. Special thanks to Everything Just Rocks. And we are back! So, uh, yeah, I uh, hope you guys had a nice break. I know we did. We did. We, we did. we laughed really hard. Yeah. We needed that, I think. <laughs> All right. So um, I know uh, previously you were talking about uh, about a list, about, uh, um, you know, go- going on a list of cultural pro- uh, uh, questions to see if something is uh, culturally ap- appropriated. Yes. Yeah, so I actually found this off of a WordPress. WordPress. I actually found this off of a WordPress blog the blog is called the anchor and the star giving full credit to this list in its entirety to that author because it's a really good list to mm-hmm. recognize this author's blog um post about cultural appropriation also is the one that talked a lot about looking at it from the standpoint of um of creative commons categories and looking at um, what you're doing as far as can this, if it was a different art medium, be under creative license. Okay. So um, the first part is, am I being a copycat? It's a simple one, but maybe you don't know. So, of course, there's plenty of other questions. But are you being a copycat, Jared? Uh, depends on what it is. <laughs> okay well i mean i guess yeah. cosplay is kind yeah. of Co- cosplay i mean it is is a form of copying but um you know because you you kind of have to figure out how how to make something that mm-hmm. might be a cartoon or in an anime fit real your body. fit mm-hmm. on your body make it 3d rather than a 2d print right and here's one that i really liked and that really did 
come across on other articles talking specifically about neopaganism or paganism being culturally appropriated or appropriating um, was, does it come from a living culture, tradition, or religion of which I am not naturalized? Um, with that being said, John Beckett on Pantheos wrote an article about your witchcraft doesn't come from your DNA and that the gods choose who they choose. But at the same time, is this currently live? Are there currently people practicing this part of this? Um, would the practitioners or worshipers of this tradition or religion find my actions offensive, misinformed, or inappropriately applied? Would folks of this culture find my actions awkward, offensive, or veiled by privilege? Hmm. So those are kind of the underlying extra questions you ask when you say, okay, there are actually living people here. Um, my other thing is, why aren't you going straight to the source? Um, look at the books that you're picking up on these different types of cultures and these different types of religions. Are they written by somebody who is of that culture? Or is it somebody who has been appropriately brought into it mm -hmm. um is it somebody who has been uh e either they are natural as a, as in born into it or they have been initiated into it by a natural person okay so so like um lear learning uh learning buddhism from an actual buddhist who is you know who has mm -hmm. been in a temple for eons <laughs> i mean you know not all of them are immortal not, not all of them are immortal but you know somebody who's been there who's been in the culture who has devoted their life to it and you learn specifically from them rather than learning from joe's buddha shack and foot rub down the street yes exactly and um a lot one of the articles i read about native uh native american spirituality really highlights that that there are a lot of white people who are writing mm. books and saying that they got their knowledge from their um previous life i'm not downing anybody who has past life freaky occurrences but then why if this is now something you're doing in this life you aren't going to somebody who is this in this life mm -hmm. to get more knowledge to clarify to spec to specify if you're going to write a book and make money off of it better to specify than it is to speculate right don't assume we mm -hmm. all know donkey <laughs> does this come from a past culture or religion of which i am not naturalized if yes, did this culture or religion struggle for autonomy or sovereignty in the face of oppression? If unsure, do your own homework. If yes, might be carrying on a legacy of appropriation by electing to use this thing. So those are really great questions. That brings back that power struggle. Mm -hmm. Are you practicing voodoo as a white person in a way that you're not doing that homework, that you're not understanding. Are you not helping fight the good fight for the people who are living today in a culture that was oppressed that is attached to your religious belief system? Mm -hmm. um, if you're practicing voodoo, if you're practicing Native American spirituality and you're not helping those cultures with their fights in the social circles right now, you're not really doing all that you can for your mm -hmm. spirituality you're not doing what you can for your gods yeah uh, if you are called on by a god of a culture that has been marginalized and are still marginalized and you're not doing something for that god's people what are you doing 
What did Patrick Stewart say? People only listen to old white guys. So yeah. I'm going to start talking because mm-hmm. old white guy? <laughs> yeah. Use your power for good. Yes. Still a little sad about Spidey going away. Yeah, there's a lot of lot behind that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it is. It's bad. No, it's bad. Oh, it's yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Does this come from past culture or religion that was propagated or proselytized? Do I have firsthand or familial incorporation of the cultural religion? Can this be transformative or healing? Do I have repetitive... Thank you. Do I have reparative work that comes from within my own family, culture, or lineage? Am I seeing a divine opportunity from a variant or a derivative? derivative? So, extremely similar to exactly what I just said. Are you practicing Kabbalah and have Jewish blood? Mm-hmm. Are you dealing with the fact that maybe some of your ancestors were marginalized, were victimized, were murdered for being Jewish or of Jewish blood. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, da, 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 da. like one one of the big things for me, at least being being of Hispanic descent, mm-hmm. one of the things that I've I've wanted to learn how to properly do mm-hmm. is the Dia de los Muertos, mm-hmm. and. You know, we we've talked about it before on the show. The movie Coco has a good depiction of it, but it's not one hundred percent accurate. Right. Um. Definitely going going to the source because I do have some family that actually, um, that have studied it and studied Brujeria and gone back to that culture. And then I have other side of the family who do it because they, you know, were taught it in a completely bastardized version because they're culture because of their uh upbringing in the part of mexico that they were in Uh, yeah i have a spoiler alert for you yeah one of our upcoming guests is going to be talking about bruja i know i'm excited about that (laughs) just just for the listeners yeah was this tradition or religion spread so widely it could be considered open source is the deity or religion ancient obsolete or in a or unoperative, possibly making it public domain. Roman, Greek. Uh, what are our days of the week named after? Going back to that Norse thing. Mm-hmm. Spread far and wide, making it public domain. Christianity. That's like number one on the list. Exactly. <laughs> These things are now considered open source. So, therefore, there's a little bit less like, oh, your cool's really appropriating. It's like, no, it's part of the dominant culture now. Mm-hmm. Um, have I given credit when credit is due? So, am I going and teaching this subject as a white woman about native history or native voices and not referencing any native voices Mm. or not referencing any native texts or not saying that you can go and learn more about this from an actual native source yeah that's a big one do i have permission 
What are the boundaries and where does permission stop? Do I recognize that permission from one person or representative may not be a blanket permission on behalf of the entire group? That's a huge one. Just because one person has said, oh, you can do this. One person in the culture has said, yeah, I could totally, you could totally smudge your house. Do it. Doesn't mean that you should, you're getting that from the entire culture, mm-hmm. the whole entire group of people. Tea leave reading is an appropriation of um, Asian culture. So yep. just because one person who is of Asian descent or reads tea leaves in the ancient art said, now you know how to do it, doesn't mean that every single country in Asia and every single Asian person living or deceased is going to go, yeah, nope, you're not appropriating. You're not doing this inappropriately or mm-hmm. rudely. And when you hurt people's feelings in general, I always say, recognize and apologize and then change your behavior. Yes, there's always going to be somebody out there who's pissed off if you're doing something. Mm-hmm. And that's for everybody, no matter what color, what gender, what orientation you go by. Somebody's going to be pissed off at you for something. Welcome to human. Yes. Apologize. Do what you can to fix it without disrespecting yourself and move on. Yep. It's the way it is. Religion and culture are closely tied. Do I have the essential cultural information required to ethically explore personal use of this religion, practice, tools, or story? If people of this culture, tradition, or religion saw me doing this, what might transpire? And that goes back to, say, white boy wearing an Indian dress or headdress, running around and smacking his face while howling. Mm-hmm. Or uh, as yeah. Talok and you guys were talking about that frat boy with the sombrera and the fake mustache and the colorful setup and thank yeah. you for using the appropriate word that I definitely could not pronounce <laughs> it's, correctly. It's okay, I wasn't gonna let you falter. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but uh, it it is yeah, I mean there's I mean, you have, uh, you know, still going with the frat boys, you know, donning green all over, wearing orange beards and speaking, you know, in a really thick, dumb Irish accent. There could be appropriation there at certain points because, yes, the Irish were put down and marginalized in the beginning of America, but at the same time, you're still white. Yep. That one's a little hard. It's it's a little hard, but it's it's still I I, I believe it's still culturally appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Um one of the reasons I would one hundred percent totally agree with you at all times is is it a stereotype? Mm-hmm. That's culturally appropriating. A yep. stereotype is hurtful to a person. Specifically, stereotypes do come from marginalized groups. There's a stereotype for white trash. I put that in air quotes. People who are of lower social class. That's a marginalized group. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's still white. And yes, it does mean that they do have then privileges gained to that. But at the same time, even some people of color will treat them differently and with less respect because of their social class. And therefore, that's a stereotype. You can appropriate their culture because there is some cultural aspects to that, whether it is... Good, bad, respectful, disrespectful, or what have you. Yeah. So, 
I know I've already mentioned the anchor and the star as one of the blogs that I got a lot of my information from. Um, I also got an information from an article by the Ev- Everyday Feminist and Tea Leaf. I'm sorry, Tea Addict Witch on Pantheos also wrote an article. Um, all of these are amazing articles. All of these I strongly suggest you read. Um, For All Those Who Were Indian in a Former Life is also a great article I would say to read. Um, I didn't get a whole lot of actual quotes from this one, but um, a lot of the feelings um, came through really well. Uh, It was, it's very good read for anybody who's in the native or the neo pagan or new age world that is selling a product or doing a thing specifically like if you're doing a women's retreat um it's talking about hey don't add these things in because you might be culturally appropriating from native peoples when you do those things as quote unquote spiritual practices mm-hmm. So those were my sources. Um, I will try to get better when I do this kind of extensive research to actually give you my sources so you guys have something to read and learn a little bit more. Um, Not just my mouth talking, but other people's writings and speakings. So, Which, you know, we do appreciate when you do that. Thank you. Yeah, and I want you guys to learn, not just from me, but from other sources. the more knowledgeable we are as a community, the better. And the less hurt that we can cause, the better healing we can give the earth. Mm-hmm. Especially now that we need it the most. Yes. For Patreon supporters, we want to thank Tara and Sarah Lynn for supporting us. Thank you. Thank you. We're coming up on going to Pagan Pride, which I know you guys just listened to kind of an advert during our break about Pagan Pride. Um, any support you guys can give us would be super beneficial. We're trying to make sure that our booth is the coolest booth there. Yes. So um, any kind of support you can lend us for that time frame or for whatever would be awesome. So you can hit us up on Patreon. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at Pagan Pod and on Twitter at Millennial Pagan and Facebook at Millennial Pagan Podcast. And where can we find you, Jira? Of course, you can find me on uh, on Twitter at uh, Jira Stone. Uh, and of course, my Instagram for all the cosplay fun, uh, Haggard underscore Haggard underscore cosplay. And you can find me on WordPress at Autumn iron wolf or iron wolf circle and you can find me on facebook at autumn wolf with an e at the end on twitter same name why are you eating your mic dessert so from all of us here at millennial pagan podcast merry meet merry part and merry Merry meet meet again again. not mead always mead friend of the podcast and previous guest Carol Brown's new book, Queen of Swords and Silence, published by Three Fates Press, is now available in paperback and for the Kindle through Amazon. A literal man-eater, Ghost was born, damaged. A Valkyrie without a purpose. Working as an enforcer and servant to the grumpy master of the Well of Knowledge doesn't leave Ghost a lot of time to dwell on the small staff. Like why her Valkyrie sisters call her an abomination why Odin has abandoned her, or why her possessed sword silence can't figure out a simple haku.
When she's hired to assassinate a mythic gone bad, her problems continue to multiply. Not only are mythics disappearing, but she has been tasked to retrieve a missing book from Odin that leaves her with a lot more questions than answers. Ghost discovers there's a lot more going on behind the scenes of the mythic realm than she once thought. Ghost doesn't take responsibility for her actions often, but when she does, it's because she doesn't want the world to end. If you like Harry Dresden, Marcy Tompkins, or Kate Daniels series, you'll enjoy Queen of Swords and Silence.